Job chapter 36 is where we'll, we'll begin this morning. As we continue the idea of dealing with affliction, we uh, want to talk about this thought this morning, affliction and how great our God is. <clears throat> uh, as we go through times of trying or affliction, we sometimes feel like things are out of God's control, uh, like He is not in control, and, and those feelings will only add to our fears and frustrations. Uh, they just increase uh, our challenges. And so sometimes we may need a reminder of how great and awesome our God is and worthy to be praised and trusted. And so this morning we'll look at the, uh, that idea, uh, affliction and how great our God is. And we'll begin by He is great and majestic. But let's begin by reading verses 1 through, I suppose we'll read verses 1 through 4 in chapter 36. And of course we know Elihu is is still speaking, it says, Elihu also proceeded, he, he has much to say, and, and said, Suffer me a little, and I will show thee that I have yet to speak on, God's, or speak on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar, and will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly my words shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with me. And so he begins this discourse uh, with uh, many descriptions about our God. But before we look at these things, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, what a blessing it is to gather together here in freedom and safety, uh, Lord, without any fear. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to uh, not take it for granted, but that we would be sober-minded uh, here today, Lord, and that we would receive your word. And, Father, that you would do something in our heart that would help us to be uh, better servants for thee. And now, Father, we pray that as we look at your word, that you would just uh, change us to be more like Christ. Help us to see something in your word that would encourage us to continue on for thee, despite the affliction we may be facing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our God is great and majestic, is he not? Uh, Elihu opens this up and, and says he's going to speak some things about uh, his maker. And... Uh, Behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. We didn't read that, but that's verse 5 there in chapter 36. He is mighty and despiseth not any, and is mighty in strength and wisdom. This morning, I want to remind you that God is almighty. He's powerful, but He shows mercy. Uh, what a blessing to know. Uh, and Elihu may be saying this in contrast to what Job has said about sinners living in prosperity until they're old. And in chapter 21, verse 7, it says, Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, and are mighty in power. Uh, Elihu, in verses 6 through 10, really, uh, he just insists, God does not keep the wicked alive, but gives justice to the oppressed. And, and so he kind of contrasts some of the things that Job has said before. Uh, God uses affliction to tell sinners about their transgressions and to open their ears to instruction. We know that to be true. Um, and this is consistent with God's word in Psalm 119. Uh, well, you know what? Let's read the, I referenced some of the things about these verses. Let's read 6 through 10. It says, He preserveth not the life of the wicked, but giveth right to the poor. He withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous, but with kings are they on the throne. Yea, he doth establish them forever, and they are exalted. And if they bound in fetters and be holden in cords of affliction, then he showeth them their work and their transgression that they have exceeded. 
He openeth also their ear to discipline and commandeth that they return from iniquity. And so uh, that rings true when we look at Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. And so certainly Elihu understands that God does use affliction to bring people back in line. Um, <clears throat> look at verse 11 in, in, our, in our text. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. And so Elihu says if they obey God's voice during their adversity, uh, they can spend their days in prosperity and happiness. Uh, however, he, he contrasts this in verse 14, and he makes a comment here that we say happens in the case of everybody. It says they die in youth, and their life is among the clean. And so not everybody that lives wickedly does die young. We understand that. And so, and we've looked at those things. Oftentimes we say things dogmatically, but really we're just making a summary of how God works. And certainly that was Elihu. He, God doesn't kill everybody that lives wickedly in a young age. Um, but we know that. So y'all are still here. All right, some of you are awake. Praise the Lord. And then in verses 15 through 20, he delivereth the poor in his affliction and openeth their ears in oppression. Even so would he have removed thee out of the strait into a broad place uh, where there is no straightness and that which uh, should be set on thy <clears throat> table should be full of fatness, but thou hast fulfilled the judgment of the wicked and or judgment and justice take hold on thee because there is wrath. Beware lest, ye, or lest he take thee away with his stroke and then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. Will he esteem thy riches? No, not gold, nor all the forces of strength. Desire not the night when the people are cut off in their place. Take heed, regard not iniquity. For this hast thou chosen rather than affliction. So he tells Job that someday he will understand his adversity and he should not have longed to plead his case before God. Instead, he would uh, learn the lesson of submission to God and trying to teach him through affliction. Uh, Elihu really is urging Job to take a new vision of God's greatness, saying God is exalted in his power and is asking who can teach like him. Elihu points out no one can tell God what to do or what he has done wrong. Verses 23 through 25, look at what it says here. Behold, God exalteth by his power. Who teacheth like him? Who hath enjoined him his way? Or who can say thou hast wrought iniquity? Remember that thou magnify his work, which men behold, every man may see it, and uh, <clears throat> man may behold it afar off. And uh, Elihu emphasizes God should mag or Job should magnify God's work. Look at verse 26. Behold, God is great. And we know him not, neither can the number of his years be searched out. God is eternal and indefinitely greater than our understanding. I think sometimes as I grow in the Christian life, I, I, at certain points where I thought I understood things. And I kind of got this thing figured out and then I learned some more. And certainly that's true as I study the scriptures. Sometimes you think you have an understanding, but there is the depths of the scriptures are far deeper than I can comprehend. Right. Uh, I was studying something this week uh, for for tonight, and, and my mind was just buzzing around. I'm like, how how can I wrap my mind around this? Lord, lead me to truth here. You know, I'm expected to teach this stuff, 
Lord, I need some help. I, I just can't do it. Uh, listen, God's so great. And we ought to find comfort in that. In our affliction, God's greater than it all. Uh, and, he, and he's above it all. Listen, he understands it despite us not understanding all of it. Uh, and we know we've talked in the weeks uh, prior to this that God is working in these circumstances. God is, is working on our behalf. Uh, Elihu just continues to talk about God's greatness by pointing out his control over all things, particularly nature. Look at verses 27 through 33 in this chapter here. It says, uh, For he maketh small the drops of water, they pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill upon man abundantly. Also can any, can any understand the spreading of the clouds or the noise of this tabernacle? Behold, he spreadeth his light upon it and covereth the bottom of the sea. For by them judges he the people, he giveth meat in abundance. With clouds he covereth the light, and commandeth it not to shine by the cloud that goeth betwixt. The noise thereof showeth concerning it, the cattle also concerning the vapor. And so God understands nature and, and how this world works far greater than anyone. I don't care if he sodered meteorology for 20 years or not. That's not my note. 21, sorry, Pastor. Sorry. Listen, what we think about this earth, we ain't got a clue. God said the seasons are going to come and they're going to go until he's done and decided it's not going to happen. And so don't lose sleep over climate change. I'll just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that. <clears throat> Verses 37, or chapter 37, 1 through 5, Elihu reminds Job that God shows his greatness through his awesome sound and light show. Look at this. And this also my heart trembleth and is moved out of this place. Hear attentively the noise of the voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it under the whole heaven and his lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it a voice roareth. He thundereth with the voice of his excellency and he will not stay them when his voice is heard, God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. I remember distinctly as a young kid, we lived at 5403 North Cedar, Spokane, Washington. And we lived in this little brown cedar shake house. It was a beautiful home, really. But we had five giant pine trees. I think they were Ponderosa. They were, these things were giant things, like 100 feet tall trees. And we had three of them in the back, kind of in a row, and then two in the front yard. And, and this thunderstorm came in one day. And it was just crashing. And as a young kid, person, all I can think of is, these trees are going to fall in this house and crush and kill us all. Listen, God's in control of all that. The thunder that's raging, the storm that's going on can cause... Trouble in our heart, but let not your heart be troubled. Listen, do you believe in God? Listen, he's in control of all of this. I think of the disciples when they're on the sea and the storm's raging and they're concerned for their life. Uh, the example, I think, is, I don't know, Acts 17, is, is that where the Apostle Paul is going and they end up shipwrecked? But, but prior to that, God said that they weren't going to lose a life and... But these men, these seasoned fishers, are throwing everything overboard because they're so concerned. Listen, God never lost control of that situation. 
we serve a mighty, a majestic God. And He's working in ways that we can't even begin to comprehend. Through the weather, through, listen, we can name every topic in the world, and God knows it greater than anybody, and He can work through all of that in ways that we can't even begin to understand. You can't comprehend uh, the greatness of our God. That should give us comfort and peace in affliction. The storm rages, but God's in control. <clears throat> He's just so much greater than we are, is He not? And, and He goes on in, in verses 6 through 13 to give more specific examples of the greatness that God has displayed in nature. Uh, you know what? We're going to read these. <clears throat> Oop, wrong one. Uh, 6 through 13, chapter 37. For he saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength. He sealeth up the hand of every man that uh, all men may know his work. Then the beast into, go into dens and remain in their places. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind and cold out of the north. By the breath of God frost is given and uh, the breath of the waters is straightened. Also by watering is, er, he wearieth the thick cloud, he scattereth his bright cloud. As it is turned round about by his counsels, uh, that they, excuse me, that they might do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the world and the earth. Listen, he's commanding everything. Uh, our God is in control, despite what we may feel like at times. Despite the fact that we feel like we've been thrown in a bag and shaken up, and everything is just chaos, uh, our God is in control. He's not caught off guard by the storm. He's not caught off by the storm in your life. Uh, he's in control. Listen, He controls how the clouds float. Have you ever just looked in amazement at the clouds in the sky and as they, they skim across the sky and they, they're moving? God's controlling this. Uh, what a God that we serve. God is clothed with terrible majesty. Look at, we'll skip down to 22, chapter 37. Fair weather cometh out of the north with God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty cannot find Him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. Uh, he will not afflict. Men do therefore fear Him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. Uh, the Hebrew word translated terrible here means to be in awe or reverent fear or to stand in uh, the presence of someone who is awesome. Uh, it's used more than 20 times uh, to describe God in the Old Testament. Here's an example of it in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 5. And see how <clears throat> he describes it here. It says, And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. We have a terrible God, and, and what a, a majestic and, and almighty God. We ought to fear and revere Him. Uh, it's due His name. The word majesty in, in the same verse here comes from a root word meaning uh, grandeur, beauty, excellency, glorious, honor, power, greatness. These are things that describe our God. Uh, his majesty. Listen, He's better than you. I talked to somebody recently, and nah, I don't, 
I don't believe there is a God. I, I'm, ba- I'm basically a God. Oh, buddy, you're wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. You're going to give an account to an almighty, majestic God that controls the earth. You're just a little peon here. You know what the amazing thing is? God loves the peon here. Talk about blowing your mind, right? As insignificant as we are, and God still loves us, and He, and he counts us valuable. And so don't ever think that the affliction that you're facing is, eh, God doesn't care. He does. But He does things in a way that we can't even begin to comprehend. And so sometimes we just need to be reminded how great our God is and that He is in control. And you just need to sit down, endure hardness like a good soldier, and trust Him. Hardness is not fun to endure. I know. I was with the army a few times in Afghanistan. They live a dog's life. I'm telling you that right now. The army does. So I, I can kind of understand hardness. It's not fun. It's not convenient. It's not good. Nobody, like has, nobody likes to have to deal with their own way. It's miserable. It's hard. We get so used to here in America, we got all the conveniences of modern plumbing. We don't even think about that stuff, really. But how pouty we get when a little hardness comes up. Trust God. He's in control. We can't really find or imagine the power of God. It says He was not to afflict. He's not going to oppress us. He will not crush. And so it was true that He he does allow affliction in our life. God does. That verse there says he's not going to afflict. But um, listen, he doesn't do it for the mere sake of producing affliction or when it's not deserved. We don't serve a God that's just up there trying to get at us. I'll show you who's the boss. Now, certainly he is the boss and he has the right to show us who's boss and he chastens his people in those things. But what I'm telling you is God has a purpose in these afflictions. Uh, sorry, my phone or my iPad's not on silent. I have an appointment tomorrow. <laughs> Those are a reminder. Elihu is urging Job to worship God, even though he does not understand why God is allowing adversity in his life. In other words, Job needs to demonstrate more faith. Do we truly trust our God? Or how quickly we get disgruntled, we get frustrated, we get discouraged because of the hardness in our life. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Uh, When we put our faith in God, our strength is made perfect. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Listen, this is a God that loves us, that's aware of our sufferings, that is moved by the feelings of these things in our life. We serve an amazing God. I'll remind you of what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Listen, sometimes we just need to understand how weak we are. And we just need to trust Him and He can strengthen us. Listen, He's got more strength than we ever dreamed of having. 
in our true strength comes from him and his strength will be made perfect in our weakness if we would just acknowledge him and in faith just trust him. Listen, he is the creator and the controller of the universe. I, don't, I got a pile of notes here. I don't know if we're going to make it through, but um, as Elihu begins concluding his speech in, in chapter 38, um, <clears throat> it appears there's a storm brewing. And, and maybe... 37 in those things are why he used the, the examples he did. But look at verse 38, or chapter 38, in the first few verses. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee an answer, thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding." Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Boy, now God begins to speak. God is often represented as speaking to people in this manner. Talking about it coming out of a whirlwind. He spake amidst lightning in the tempest on Mount Sinai. Uh, you can look at Exodus chapter 19, uh, r- roughly verses 16 through 19. We'll, uh, we'll show you that. And he frequently re- represented as appearing amidst the thunder and lightning of a tempest as a symbol of majesty. Uh, look at Psalm 18, verses 9 through 13. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly, yea... He did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, his hail, or voice hailstones and coals of fire. So this terminology or this, uh, this illustration here, is, is, we see it uh, multiple times in the Bible. And I read those verses where God asks Job some questions. He tells him, uh, who is he to question his wisdom? Who, who do you think you are, Job? Uh, sometimes we get a, a lofty view of ourselves, do we not? Then he says, Job, I have some questions for you. Where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Talk about being in awe and in reverence and fear to stand before the Creator. Listen, one day we will all give an account. And I'm so thankful for the love of God. That we have an advocate. That we have the ability to approach the throne of grace. That we can become before a righteous and holy God. Not because of anything we've done, but because we have Christ on our side. I don't think we fully understand the greatness of our God today. We get a little flippant in their comments. I mentioned the conversation I had with, with a person the other day. I'm basically a God. Oh boy. One day that knee's going to bow. And you're going to be for the one true God. Listen, we serve a great God. Where was Job? He was nowhere. He didn't even exist at the time God created the foundations of the earth. Uh, we understand that. 
Yet Job thinks that he can tell the Lord to manage the earth. The Lord gives Job an oral science exam here. <laughs> uh, I have a, a bunch of notes. I don't know how, how much we'll, uh, we'll look at these. I might uh, skip down to some of the other things. But um, <clears throat> in verses 5 through 7, he, he gives them uh, an exam in cosmology, in, you know, the development of the universe. God asks who determined the measures or the dimensions of the earth. Look at 5 and 7. I can't just, i got to read these things. Uh, 38, 5 and 7. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof, uh, when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy? Uh, listen, God understands the boundaries of all this stuff. Uh, we're really clueless. You know, in our day, I think more than ever before, professing themselves wise, they became fools. We think we have so much information and so much knowledge and understanding of how the, uh, the earth works, but we're really, we don't comprehend it. God knows it. He created it. He understands it. Uh, we're trying to find things and understand why it works a certain way. God already knows that. Uh, he set the limits. He set the boundaries. Job uh, gets a quiz about maybe some oceanography here in verses 8 through 11. The Lord asked Job about the sea, whose limits were determined by him. God set the limits of the sea. Why does it stop where it stops? Because God said so. I'm not smart enough to explain it otherwise. I'm not an academic, per se, I guess. In 12 through 15, he asked Job if he has ever commanded the morning or the day spring to take place. You ever brought forth the day spring? Listen, I just wake up and it's there. And when if I'm already awake, when it happens, I'm praising God that the sun's coming up. Listen, God's controlling these things. We're, we're not. Job certainly isn't. Uh, we have such a great God. <clears throat> John 3.19, and this is the condemnation, that light came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. He asked Job's if he ever commanded the day spring. God also says the light is withheld from or disturbs the wicked. Here in those verses 12 through 15, uh, the wicked are active at night. They do not like the light. This is reminiscent of those things in John 3. Let, let, let's move on here. Then the... The Lord puts Job in his place by asking if he has ever explored the unseen springs of the sea or investigated their depths. Verses 16 through 21. Uh, we can read that. Uh, just to get back on track with our reading, it says, Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Have the gates of, uh, of death been opened unto thee or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. Where is the way where light dwelleth, and as for darkness, where is the place thereof, that thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest knowest, or shouldest know the paths to the house thereof? Knowest thou it? Because thou wast then born. You get the sarcasm here, perhaps, that God's... Knowest thou it? Because thou wast born, or wast then born. Or because the number of thy days is great? Boy, Joe, you've been around long enough. You've got all this figured out. 
we must admit that our capacity is very limited. As I mentioned, as you begin studying, whether it's scripture or even uh, science in these things, uh, there are scientists that think they got it all figured out, but they have no clue. And if they're honest with things, they'll admit it. But most of them just aren't honest enough. Job, do you think you know the laws of the universe and you can do a better job running the world? You got this all figured out, Job? And in, in 38, uh, 39 through 39, 30, he, there's a lot of what we'll say zoology, asking questions about the, the animals of the world. And so let's go to chapter 40, if you will. And just be reminded that God is almighty. Job kind of makes the presumptuous appeal to contend with God in a court of law and suggests an equality with the Lord. Look what the Lord asks him in in chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that approveth God let him answer it. God asked Job, do you still want to contend with me? Then answer my questions. Uh, God posed many questions here. Because Job knows God is almighty, look what he responds in verses 3 and 5. It says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. We're in no place to question the Almighty God. And anybody that would say otherwise, the day that they're confronted with that Almighty God, I think they're going to have a similar response than Zob. I'm just going to shut my mouth. God, you're in control. God, you are the authority on all matters. And I'm but vile. And it would behoove me to just shut my mouth. Lord, help us. I think you guys know this, but the word almighty means all-powerful, omnipotent. God is called almighty in our Bible more than 50 times, 31 of which are in the book of Job. God's still speaking from the whirlwind. God presents other series of questions. Uh, these are designed to put or to help Job put things into perspective. Uh, he also demands that Job refute him if he can. He asks Job if he will really challenge God's justice and declare uh, God guilty to, to justify himself. That's verses 6 through 14. Chapter 41, 1 and 2, we're going to draw this to a close here and leave you with a closing thought here. It says, Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook, or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose or bore his jaw through with a thorn? And, and I got some notes here about the Leviathan and, and the behemoth and, and whether they're dinosaurs or those kind of things. And, and I don't know if a lot of that provides any value for us today. Uh, or for today's lesson, I should say. Um, but chapter 41, 
in verse 10, uh, it says, None is so fierce that dare stir him up, then who is able to stand before me? So God says, listen, we have these behemoths, these leviathans, and there's some descriptions of him and how great they are and, and how men won't even approach these things. And then it says, who then is able to stand before me? Man, the, the greatest creature of this earth, that, that humanly speaking, is nothing in contrast with the God that created it. Upon the earth there is not like this who is made without fear. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Verses 33 and 34 here in chapter 41. Listen, if Job can't capture or control the creatures, how can he possibly challenge the wisdom and power of the Almighty? The point is this morning, God is not answerable to Job. Job is answerable to God. God is awesome because He's great and majestic. He is a creator and controller of the universe. He's the Almighty. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded of the great Almighty God we serve. Listen this morning, He is worthy. And we must acknowledge that even in our best Christianity, we are simply dust. Filthy rags, we might say. He is the creator. He is worthy to be praised. And so this morning, we're going to close. I just want you to take a moment and remember the greatness of our God. I'm going to read these verses in closing. First Chronicles 16, 23 through 29. Sing unto the Lord all ye earth. Show forth from day to day His salvation. Declare His glory among the heathen, His marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are, are in His presence. Strength and gladness are in this, His place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You can also look at Psalm 96 for those uh, similar passages. Listen this morning. We need to understand how great and mighty our God is and give Him the glory. Let's do his name.